Spurs in full cry here. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Wendy, and I'm joined by our tactics guy, Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. Hello, Wendy. Good to have you here, because we're talking about a subject that I know nothing about, and so I need your expertise, Nathan. Uh, We're also joined, I'm very glad to say, by Abby and Rachel from N17 Women, uh, the, the first Spurs women's podcast. Welcome to you both. Hi there. Hi. Abby, people might know you a little bit because uh, you are an ex-sub and you've been on my couch uh, and we had a good conversation about your uh, your life. Um, but we're going to talk to you a bit about Spurs Women, how we got into them, and of course, this new podcast that you've launched uh, together and with some, some other colleagues too. Um, so I'll start with Rachel and get you to talk a bit about that, if that's okay. So uh you, you spoke on your debut episode about your individual journey to supporting and now covering Spurs women and you all had different routes that seemed that seemed to sort of align with um uh the Spurs women's promotion to the top flight alongside Josie Mourinho being in charge of Spurs' men's team. Can you talk a little bit to that? Um I think that for all of us it was really important to support both a Spurs team, but also a women's team. And the coming together of both of those things was really what brought us to Spurs women. So all of us are fans of Spurs men's team, some of us for longer, some of us more recent. But then there were various reasons why either we didn't want to or we weren't able to go to the games much or Spurs men were managed by Mourinho and Spurs women were becoming a better team after for a long time being very much um, the underdogs in North London. You know, women's football in North London has for so long been dominated by Arsenal. And as a Spurs fan, that's been just a really sad thing. So it's been good to have a Spurs women's team in the WSL. They came up in 2019, in the 2019 season. And supporting them has been really exciting, I think, for all of us. And just been, for me, I got a season ticket this last year with the end of COVID. I went to a couple of men's Euros games in the summer and just got really excited about going to football again. And so it seemed a really good time to get tickets to the women's team. A season ticket is incredibly affordable. Mm. So, but then once you've got that season ticket, you feel like, oh, I, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to turn up. It's an obligation. And so that meant that I started going to home games and then got started going to away games and became just really obsessed with Spurs women. And I think it's quite similar for lots of people. Abby, what about, do you want to talk about your way in? Yeah, um, I actually started supporting Spurs women very casually around the time of promotion at the end of the 2018-2019 season. Um, I was relatively new to Spurs men at that time, and it was really exciting to have like the Champions League run on the men's side and the promotion run on the women's side at the same time. But I say casual because at the time it was like totally, totally unclear to me how to even watch the games uh, from America. So I had no idea where to watch. I knew very, very few people, if any, who were also watching Spurs women. And there was also almost no Spurs women related content out there. So it was kind of, I wouldn't like call myself a a serious supporter of the women at that time the way I was for the men just because it it was hard and difficult Uh, but that's definitely gotten better over time and like as far as women have gotten better there have been more and more people to talk to about it there's even like a small group of people in the extra inch discord who will um, sometimes be online during games. Uh, Although I will say at the beginning, there was a lot of like, we'd be down like three nil to Arsenal at halftime and we'd all be like, okay, uh, good talk, need more investment. Uh, And then we'd kind of leave and not watch the rest of the game. So um, it's just been like ramping up, like, uh, as you know, more and more people start watching the games, and it becomes there becomes more and more coverage of them, uh, and then you basically get to where we are now. 
Is that something you've noticed more widely that as the team have become more successful, uh, got promoted, that the interest has grown? Do you feel like there's a kind of uh, growing fan base amongst the Spurs community? Yes, but I think that's in the context of like a larger fan base for women's football in general Mm -hmm. growing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we did have the World Cup in 2019. And so it was like a big, big uptick then specifically because it was like the World Cup, England were good. um, And uh, that I think got a lot of people interested in following uh, women's teams. And I think if if you... Some of you will probably have been at. There was a North London derby, which was the first game after Spurs were promoted. And there was 38,000 people at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, which is still a record for a WSL game. Uh, And that massive attendance was great. But what we've also seen is that since then, attendance has radically fallen back. I mean, every game is not a North London derby. Mm. But even if you look at people who are attending the games this season as compared to last season when the last time there was um, full attendance pre-COVID, it hasn't gone up very much. So we're still looking at attendances of at their worst, I think something like 500 people. And surprisingly or sort of annoyingly, that was to see Spurs have their biggest win of the season Mm. against Brighton at home where we won 4-0. More the biggest kinds of attendances are about two and a half, just under 3,000. And this was when we were playing at the Hive last season, which is Barnet Stadium. Obviously, next season, we're going to be moving to Lace and Orient, and maybe that'll be more convenient and it'll get more people in person. So I think that the fan base has in- increased on TV, like watching it on TV has increased online, but we haven't yet seen a massive increase in season ticket holders or people going to the games. And I guess I would just say, if you haven't been to a game yet, go. It's so fun and cheap. So it's a kind of, it's a very, you know, low cost experiment to see if you like it. Mm, for sure. I think the, um, the stadium move is really interesting. Do you, do you know why they've chosen to move stadium? Was it just that the contract ended and, and it made sense to move or was there a particular reason for that? We haven't been told exactly the reason. There were a lot of complaints, though, last year about the pitch. Okay. So the pitch at Barnet wasn't being looked after very well. And so there were a few games. I can remember a game where we were playing against Chelsea and Sam Kerr really should have been in on goal and skidded in the penalty box, oh, wow. box which was to our benefit. We hmm. She didn't score. But at the same time, uh, we shouldn't have pitches like that. And so I think that's the main reason. But obviously, it's also about being slightly closer to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and to the main fan base. Yeah. I, the Leighton Orient, the ground is fantastic. Uh, I, I think that will be a really attractive um, proposition for fans. There is a very nice club bar there. I have to say that their bar is one of the best uh, club bars at any football ground I've been to. It's it's very nice. So you'll have lots of fun there, I'm sure. Um Let's talk a little bit about your podcast and how your your group came together. Uh, how did you how did you find each other, Abby? Um, I'm actually going to turn that one over to Rachel because Rachel, in my perspective at least, was sort of the ringleader of like she one day she just messaged all of us and uh-huh. then next thing I know we had a podcast. Um, but it was obviously more involved than that. So Rachel, what do you what do you have to add to that? It probably wasn't a lot more involved than that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think as Abby as was saying before, there's just so little Spurs coverage out there. So before I started, I started a fan site. And before I started that, I couldn't find any fan sites. There were there's so little coverage. The mainstream media don't really cover Spurs women except occasionally to go, oh, they're not as bad as we thought they were. Mm. Um, occasionally you get WSL podcasts, which great. There's about half a dozen of them. But Spurs are usually four, fifth, sixth in the running order. And so, again, the amount of time spent is absolutely minimal. And so I think we all just wanted to have more Spurs talk and more Spurs writing, more Spurs analysis. And I as part of that, it wasn't exactly just to start a podcast, but more as a way of kind of increasing the critical mass of people doing stuff around Spurs. I 
pull together people who I knew were writing about Spurs. Sean, who is part of Proud Lily Whites, is somebody who I see at games because she goes to every game and pretty much every away game as well. And especially when you go to away games, you get to know other fans quite well. Um, but Caroline and Abby, I'd only ever seen on Twitter. And so it was just finding people who I knew were interested in writing about and thinking about and talking about Spurs women. Um, and the rest really just came out really quickly because it turns out that they were, we were had that same feeling that we wanted to have more content about Spurs women um, sometimes you see you'll get somebody a commentator onto a men's Spurs podcast but it's usually like one person who will then give you their perspective and of course that's not how we analyze the men's team in the men's team we expect people to have different opinions different views and criticize each other and argue and all of those things and we wanted to have that for the women's team and yeah, yeah. so hopefully I don't think we're there yet but we're gonna hopefully get there with the podcast yeah and one thing I think I I want to mention at this point is that I probably would not be involved in this at all if it weren't for Dustin from Cartilage Free Captain who puts a huge amount of passion and effort into covering Spurs women uh, and he tries as hard as he possibly can to give Spurs women well not equal coverage but as equal effort coverage on Cartilage Tree Caption as um, the men. And so he actually, he was the one who put out a call for hiring a dedicated Spurs women writer. And I was like, I think I can do that. <laughs> so I, uh, and he, he was the one who brought me on board and got me into writing about it. And um, yeah, so shout out to Dustin. He does a great thing too. <laughs> Oh, we love Dustin. He's good. He's good people. Uh, and actually, to speak to that a little bit, that's, uh, that's definitely a failure in our own podcast that we are aware of and that we recognize. Um, like creating that. I think the thing is, we're so, you know, we're so into men's football. We're so like it's so established that creating time for something new and upcoming is really challenging. Uh, and it's a case of actually having to drop something and prioritize and really make an effort to prioritize um, women's football. And we've had a lot of people message us over the years and say, when are you going to cover the Spurs women's team? And the reality is that as it stands now, we don't have capacity to do that. And I, and I really regret that. I, I think at some point we'll have to do a bit of rebalancing um, because there is certainly a growing interest there, but I don't know what that'll look like. I really don't. It's, it's, it's really tough. But anyway, I'm, I'm glad that the space has been left and that this podcast yeah. now exists and, um, and we can have you on as guests from time to time and stuff like that and support you. So I think that's awesome. This is the thing. This is the thing. Like the least we can do is, is support you in your endeavors and kind of make space for, for people to hear what you've got to say, because you know far more about the Spurs women's team than, than the vast majority of Spurs fans will. So uh, it's really important that some expert voices are heard. Um, how did you find recording your first episode? Are you hosting, Rachel? We're taking turns in hosting. I don't know okay, at some point if we're going to settle down, but Caroline hosted the first one and I've just hosted the second one. I think it's Abby's turn next, perhaps. So, yeah, I think we're just working out what works. Mm -hmm. Finding a role is very democratic. <laughs> <laughs> not like not like our not like our setup. <laughs> big, big dog Windy tells me what to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Like usual, usual phone calendar, Nathan. For goodness' sake. <laughs> um, yeah, no. I think that's a really that's a really interesting way of doing it to sort of rotate the the hosting options because Nathan, hosting is really hard. It's, no, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's it takes it takes a lot of effort. Nathan the park, mate. Is it? Yeah, okay. I certainly found when I was hosting that I didn't have enough energy to have thoughts about things as well so yeah i'm happy to hand over next time yeah abby you're gonna be just fine nothing to worry about it's all good i think i'll need to write a lot more down than i usually do though because i don't expect there to be any room in brain for thoughts <laughs> that's exactly it you need something it, when your when your mind goes blank you need some written words to just fall back on until you kind of get back on your feet that's the key so are you are you like just having a freeform conversation and then editing it down or what's the process for recording so far we've had quite structured things to talk about so the first podcast was mostly just us introducing ourselves and our journey into Spurs women, um, talking a little bit about the season as a whole and then the grounds move. And then the one we've just recorded, we were going to talk about transfers, but we've realised that we hadn't actually talked about the team. So it ended up being kind of a rundown of the team from back to front, which, again, had to be quite structured to make sure we got everyone in. I realised afterwards there was a couple of players we gave a little short shrift to. 
but there will be other times. We just thought it was important to have said something about all of the players before we kicked off the next set of discussions. Definitely. Yeah, because if we hadn't done that, there's a good chance we would have just spoken about Ash Neville for the entire podcast. Hmm. So we did need a little structure. <laughs> After basically every episode of The Extra Inch, one of us will message the other and say, oh, we didn't talk about... So <laughs> don't, don't worry about that. <laughs> it, literally every week, isn't it? It's uh, it's so easy. And, and sometimes it's like a really big issue that's happened as well, <laughs> but you just, for some reason, you just don't... Yeah, you got. It's so hard. It's so hard to editorialize um, these things, and I think the key is just to not beat yourself up. And when the messages come in saying, "I can't believe you didn't speak about X, Y, and Z," just don't worry about it, or don't reply to them, ignore them. Well, the nice thing about this is that since there's so little Spurs women media out there, if someone writes in, we can just say like, "What if? Uh, what if you had a podcast <laughs> too?" Nice. In a nice way, of course. Yes, that's an excellent way of dealing with it. Um, so you mentioned Ash Neville. I think that's a really nice jumping off point to talk about some of the players. Uh, Ash Neville is, is the fans' favourite, is it fair to say, Rachel? Well, she won Player of the Year and Young Fans Player of the Year this season. She also won Proud Lilywhite's Player of the Year. She was the first player to ever be WASL Player of the Month in February. So she's had a good year, let's say. Um, And yes, I think she is absolutely a favourite. She's also now the longest serving member of the club. She came from Coventry. She played with Spurs when we were not in the WSL. So she won promotion with the team. So there's that longevity. She's grown with the team. She's a player who seems to get better every season. Uh, And it's also often part of the most exciting moments of a game so there's lots of different reasons people love her I guess she also is just a player who doesn't give up so she's playing from the first minute to the last um I don't know Abby do you want to follow up yeah I mean she's the first person you notice on the screen and part of that is because she has a really unique look um like she has this like sort of like jet black bowl cut and like just striking blue eyes, uh, which is not the most important thing about her. You notice her on the pitch because she is always in the middle of everything doing the most exciting things, whether it's uh, like coming in to make a a great tackle or, uh, you know, playing short one twos in a passing game down whatever side she's playing on and she can play on both sides. Um, Though she this year she's tended to play um, right fullback for us, I think most of the time. Uh, yeah, she's um, she she scores, she assists, she presses really well. She her passing is great. She's just great. She's always doing everything. You can't help but notice her. Yeah, she's definitely one of those players who, if you bring someone to the game, I mean, my partner I've taken to the game and just said straight away, "Oh, why isn't she playing for England?" Because she's that sort of player where. She just looks like she's going to bring something to any team. And I'm sure that if she was playing at a higher level, so in international games, she would step it up again. Do you think she will play for England? I hope so. Uh, She's not going to play in the Euros this summer. She's not part of Serena Wiegmann's squad. But obviously, once the Euros are over, there's a chance for the squad to be changed, to have new openings. And if she keeps on playing, as she has done, it would be a huge shame if she didn't get in awesome and abby who are the other kind of star players in the squad um yeah it that's an interesting question um because a lot of we've had a lot of injury troubles this year so it's hard to say like oh i would normally i would have said kit graham but uh we lost kit graham to an acl injury in november and she probably won't play again and until a decent ways into this next season um, I remember also, um, and we can talk more about Kit in a second, but just to finish that point, um, you know, a lot of, uh, we got a lot of, of good attacking creation and pressing and defensive work out of Rhea Percival this year, though we also lost her to an ACL injury when she was on international duty with New Zealand. Um, and I think that was in March or April or something like that. It was towards the end of the season. Um, other than that, I think one thing that really stands out about Spurs women is the amount of work that everyone on the team is is putting in. It's actually a, a, a very pressy team, I would say. Uh, so rather than having that many standout stars, it's like you get a lot of work in turnovers and like these sort of like 
short passing combinations on the wings and stuff from all players. It's very fun to watch. I will also shout out Rachel Williams, who did a great job this season and uh, unfortunately is not going to be with us next season. So, yeah. Anyone you doubt, Rachel? I think that it was recognised that we had a really strong backline. So in that sense, they weren't very starry, but they were absolute stalwarts and stars of the team. So Molly Bartrip and Shalina Zadorsky, who are the centre-backs and played almost every game. And on the other side from Ash Neville is Karis Harrop, who is, I think, one of the longest serving, you know, has got almost the most games of any WSL player. She That's played true. and yeah. was captain of Birmingham for you know, years and years and years. Birmingham's had a lot of problems with its women's team recently, which we don't need to go into, but basically just underfunding it. And so she came to Spurs last year, uh, well, two years ago, and she's been great as well. She has that sort of, uh, just this fantastic positioning that is really, you know, it's just fun to watch. Um, You know, when you have those defenders who know what they're doing and they make other people sometimes look a little foolish because they just, a one step ahead in terms of their thinking. Uh, going forward, I guess one of the players we haven't mentioned is Jess Naz. Um, she's, you know, she doesn't always bring it, but on games when she's on form, she can be just really exciting. And some of the best goals of the season, she's scored by her. And she's still developing as well. So I think we can expect to see more and more from her every year, which is really exciting because she's already shown a lot of progress or um, promise. And yeah, I also just, I love Karis Harrop. She, I think she has spent 11 years in the top flight. I think that was the number. Um, And she's just such a smart player uh, and really just makes use of her skills. She has a little bit of drunken master around her. Uh, Like you watch her and you're like, wow, she looks a little bit awkward on the ball, but she's really, she's good on the ball. She makes it work. It's, uh, she makes it work defensively. She, she scored a pretty nice header this year as well. She she can always pop up to play the ball back in when we're attacking. It's I like her a lot. I think she's great. Yeah, I always laugh. She's she's one of those players. There's only only her and Rachel Williams used to do this. She'd like tuck her top into her shorts in that sort of very like 1970s style where it's like, yeah, I'm in business. I'm done. I'm there. I'm ready. And I just love that about her. Do they wear black boots as well, these girls? Oof, that's a good question. I really can't say off the top of my head. I'd need to look that up. Black boot energy in the in the yeah. style of me. That's what I was. That's for the sure, vibe for I was sure. getting. Yeah, yeah, a throwback. I at like least that. in spirit. At least in spirit. Yeah. So, um, what's the pipeline for the players? Uh, do, do we have uh, Do we have an academy? Do we have a youth team? Um, do we have players being developed in house, or is it literally you, you sign players from from smaller clubs? We have an academy. There are um, a few players that are getting near the first team who are coming out of it. We do sign a play a lot of players from other clubs uh, with bigger academies, just because. Um, you know, those tend to be Chelsea and Arsenal, actually. And there's not enough spots in Chelsea and Arsenal for good players coming out of the academy. So we do end up signing a lot of those. But from our academy, um, I know Jess, who we mentioned, spent some time in there. We also have Esther Morgan, who is coming out of our academy, who has been out on on loan for this last year, but has shown a lot of promise. And she's a Spurs fan herself. So we really hope that um, that works out. She goes to a lot of the men's games and, you know, she posts on Twitter about how excited she is when the men are doing well. And, and it's nice to nice to see. Uh, we also have some other younger players uh we had a promising player, Izzy Lane, this year who made a few appearances for the first team. She'll be heading off to college in the United States uh, for the next four presumably years. Um, it, it was just announced like she had committed and it was in her Instagram bio. But today I did see that she is heading off to Delaware this next year. So I'm not sure when we'll see her again. Uh, and then there's some other younger players who have been on loan, like um, Eleanor Heaps and... Uh, I'm forgetting someone, but yeah, there's a few. We get a lot of them from other academies, though. Yeah, I agree. I think it's definitely something that the club needs to invest more in. Um, there's been various transitions with the academy, so it's probably going to take a few years, obviously, to trickle through. 
but hopefully at some point we will be having those kinds of players come through. This is something I should definitely know, and I feel incredibly ignorant for asking it. Do, do the women's team use do you use Hotspur Way as their base? Great question. I'm glad you asked. So you might remember that Alex Morgan of the U.S. Oh, women's yeah. national oh, team yes. came to uh, Spurs during um, the sort of lockdown era of COVID. And uh, from what I heard, uh, we were not using the facilities at Hotspur Way before that. And she basically sat down in Daniel Levy's office and was like, I will not play for this team unless you let us practice at Hotspur Way. And he eventually uh, conceded. And now we do, in fact, practice at Hotspur Way and use the facilities there. So thanks, Alec. I didn't know that information was out there. But yeah, it's definitely her her biggest contribution to the club because she, <laughs> she wasn't she wasn't asked impactful as a player but she was incredibly impactful as a negotiator yes it's funny i was just thinking about this last night because the u.s women's national team was playing in denver and i went i saw alex morgan up close and in person and first of all her movement is phenomenal and i think that's lost on television which is why some people are like oh i don't know alex morgan like is she as good as everyone says she is? Yeah, she was really good. Uh, but I was just thinking about this last night because my two memories of her playing for Spurs are like, she missed a penalty in the North London Derby and it was like a pretty crucial penalty. It was right at the end of the game. I can't remember the exact context. And then the other thing was that she sat down with Daniel <laughs> Levy and was like, you better let us practice in Hotspur way. Otherwise, I'm going to make a scene. So you get the good and the bad, the good and the bad. I like this a lot. I like I like the idea of Alex Morgan as the Mick Lynch of, of women's football <laughs> uh, union leader. That is, that is fantastic. Um, so, Abby, you mentioned the style of play a little bit. Um, has that so the, the team have a, a relatively new manager? So they transitioned from joint managers to a new manager um, sort of 18 months ago now. Has the style of play changed with that transition? I think so. Uh, I wouldn't say I watched quite as much under... So it was Karen Hills and Juan Amaros, who is now at Batiste, I believe, uh, who were our joint coaches before. And I know they did a great job when we were in the championship. And um, I remember watching some really dodgy, terrible, awful games at the beginning of, was it the 2020, 2020, yeah, 2020, 2021 season, I think. Um, Yeah, that's right, because they got sacked exactly a year after Mourinho. Uh, Or, uh, wow, that was a slip after Pochettino. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and they, I remember watching games back then and it was like, we would never have any shots on goal. Uh, just never. And all our goals were from set pieces. They were from Siri Worm, who, who was really good at set pieces. And that was, yeah, uh, I, I had a really hard time watching games back then because there was just not a whole lot to watch. And, uh, which I don't think was the way they wanted to play. I, I don't, that was not, um, you know, Juan posts a lot about his tactical ideas on the internet. So you can go read them, uh, that I don't think that was his intention. I think that was just what ended up happening. Uh, so I didn't watch a lot when Rianne Skinner first came in for the first about three or four months. And when I started watching at the beginning of this most recent season, I was really impressed with how much more we were creating. And because creating was not our issue this season, it was very, very much finishing. And you'd notice when you'd watch games, we were creating chances. We were exciting in attack. One really great thing about Rianne Skinner's teams, it seems to me, is she's really able to change up the way we play a lot, depending on who we're facing. So you'll see us do these very defensive counterattack game plans against the Chelsea's and the Arsenal's and the Manchester cities. But then you'll see us go play like Brighton or Birmingham, uh, you know, two very different levels of team, actually, but um, teams that we should be beating. And you'll see us have most of the possession and we'll have attacking plans and we'll have like a variety of plans to attack in possession. But I think one thing you always see is you always see defense starting from our forwards and midfielders. And you we get a lot of defensive work out of them. Uh, they're very they press a lot. 
It's very coordinated. They make a lot of tackles. They get a lot of turnovers from the midfielders and the forwards. And the defenders are kind of just back there keeping things organized and cleaning things up and like starting attacks from the back. You'll see a lot of ways to progress the ball, whether it's through the wings and Karras and Ash Neville. Um, but also we had Mava Klimaran, who is really crucial for us and who is now left. And we're kind of sad about that, but more on that later, who uh, was available in the middle to progress things through the middle. Um, so a lot of options, super, super fun to watch. Um, and we had great keepers, too, and Becky Spencer and Tini Corpella. Um, and so the real issue is simply just we'd play this beautiful attacking football, very like really strong and organized in defense. And then we just couldn't score, could not score. Listeners, this is why you need to subscribe to N17 Women, because you'll get that level of analysis consistently. That's um, fantastic. Abby, thank you so much. Nathan, you you um you looked at some of the underlying data of last season as well. Well, they talked about this on 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 the debut episode. So, um, was it Caroline? I think I'm having a, I'm not getting everyone's voices yet, but I think she was saying um that last season was a little sort of overpraised in terms of Spurs women's achievements. Um, they ended up fifth after sort of pushing for third for quite a while. Um, but a significant underachievement on expected goals, which is what you were talking about. So, um. Does that suggest that that the, the sort of uh, returning to to meeting expected goals is is what Spurs women can look forward to maybe next season, or do you think that there's just bad finishing and that that is like a, a nature of the makeup of the squad? Well, we've lost Rachel Williams, who was our main striker. We've also lost. Um, two other strikers so we're down to one of what was potentially our four strikers we've also lost some other attacking players for various reasons so they are going to have to recruit new people and we're hoping that those people will be able to convert (laughs) more of the chances that there'll be more so some of it was also that there were just too few people actually available by the end of the season because some of those were injuries there was a drug suspension which was not a performance enhancing drug but still a drug suspension that meant that by the end of the season we were really short on goal scorers and so you had Rachel Williams who was our top scorer but scored all of our goals before Christmas and once Kit got injured was moving further and further backwards to pick up the ball was you know doing a lot of work in midfield to um, hold up play etc and then she needed to pass it forward to someone but she was hmm, not in that the box sounds familiar. Was, <laughs> it does many people yeah. have said this many people have said this there is a Harry Kane comparison there yeah <laughs> No, she was a really stylish player. So wherever she goes next, I am going to watch her. She's one of those players who is worth watching even when she's not playing for Spurs. She is Um, truly one of the most press-resistant players I have ever seen. She, the balls just to her feet it's unbelievable she can just pop out of like four people on her and like still have the ball and she just it's it's unbelievable it's and she has great passing and when she was getting up closer to the goal she she did have an eye of finishing but the problem was like and if we had the same squad i would not expect a regress or um a progression back to the mean of xg because we did not have good finishers we have people like rosella ian took so many shots if she could even just level up her finishing skills a little bit uh, I think she'd be a, a really solid winger, but she just can't shoot. And consistently throughout the season, it like it, her and others just either like made the wrong decision at the end or like when they did shoot, they would not shoot anywhere near target. And it was a big problem. So we do need to remake our entire attack. But I wouldn't say I think fifth was a well-deserved finish for us when we were up around third in uh, halfway through the season, there was kind of a sense where it was like, yeah, like we've had a lot of results go our way. Like we are definitely good and competitive and we're giving top teams a tough game and they are worried about us. But uh, like we would not expect to finish in Champions League spots, which is third. Um, and so I don't necessarily think we overperformed our abilities this year. Um, but there were definitely parts of the season where we got pretty lucky. But I also think there's like pretty clear upgrades we can make next season. And I think this is a good moment for us to be like, we finished fifth 
we were the best of the rest this year and all these other teams are going to be trying to push us for best of the rest next year. And so we need to make a jump now. And from what I've heard, it sounds like that's what the plan is. Uh, but uh, the longer it goes without us signing anyone, I'm kind of like, oh, boy, I sure hope that's the plan. <laughs> like, Yeah. And I think when Abby's saying best of the rest, there are essentially three very established WSL teams who have between them won the WSL title and all the FA Cup pretty much every single season, which is Chelsea, Arsenal and Manchester City. Since Manchester United were promoted at the same time as us, they chucked a ton of money into their squad. And they've become and they've finished fourth every season in the WSL since they were promoted. So they aren't quite at that top three level, but they are definitely the one that's competing with them. And then, as Abby says, we are then the best of the rest. Yeah. So there are 12 teams in the WSL. So finishing fifth, you are in the top part, but, you know, you're there are you're not in that very top group and where we finished I think was very fair if you look at our underlying statistics it, they basically we are fifth best in a lot of things there are some things around which we are a bit better we are some we are definitely fifth best defensively we are not fifth best at converting our chances um, if you look at our XG we are easily in fifth so it's that kind of that converting our chances is where we are slipping down and we can make a difference and I think the things that I think it might have been Sean who was saying this on the podcast is the ways in which we were disappointing is that we did better than we have ever done against those top teams so we beat Manchester City we drew with Arsenal we drew with Manchester United we also lost against them but we basically took points off of three of the four top teams. We came very close to beating Chelsea and then it didn't come come off in the end. Um, Which was a depth issue. It, that was it, definitely a depth that issue. Was, yeah, that was, we did not have the substitutes. Chelsea brought on substitutes. And so having a deeper squad is going to make a difference there. Absolutely. But what we weren't doing was beating West Ham every time. We weren't beating Reading and Aston Villa. And they were all teams that we dominated. If you look at the games and the ways in which we were playing the chances and yet we weren't finishing them off and so we were relying on either one nil wins or we were losing one nil or you know ending up with draws we were not scoring a lot of goals we didn't lose many things by large margins but there's definitely scope to improve and main thing is maintaining that defensive solidity keeping the pressing throughout the team but also bringing in some finishers yeah, and I think like if you just look at the end of our season, the three games in particular we should have won were we lost one nothing to Aston Villa um, after dominating them. We drew 0-0 with Reading, I think it was. And then my favorite, love to talk about it, we, uh, we drew Everton 2-2 and we beat them by uh, on xg by like an absurd amount like we got close to four xg in wow. that game we created a lot a lot a lot a lot of chances and then we still drew at the end it was awful i hated it um no i was at that game and it was look definitely at those nine yeah. points like that's nine points we should have had uh and then like on the other side in the meantime we had like two games against chelsea in a week and Chelsea is a very, very good team. I expected to lose both of those games. We like took it to Chelsea for half of each of those games. But like, what's the point if you're only giving a really good team a tough game for 45 minutes? Uh, it was uh, we had nothing on the bench. We had nothing on the bench. And especially in that first game, Chelsea were down to 10 women. And we were I think we were up a goal when that happened. Um, it was there. We did not have the players to see it out. We had too many injuries. We had just recovered from a COVID outbreak. It really disappointing. Could have been better. So it was like just feeling it slip away from you at the end of the season after such a, song, a strong start. But we know what needs to be done there. And I think that thin bench was a problem throughout. So probably the worst game that I went to was we lost 3-0 away at Manchester United. I'd managed to persuade my partner and all his family to come. So there were 10 Man United fans with me because they all live in Manchester. And I was like, it's great. You're going to love women's football. And then we lost 3-0. It was 
utterly miserable. Uh, it was one of those games where we probably should have lost by more. They just got the bit between their teeth. And we had three outfield substitutes on the bench pretty much. And so that was our choice. They came on, but they came on quite late in the game. And there was just one of those things where you feel like we really cannot do anything here. Um, so we definitely need to deepen the bench and hopefully have a better game against Manchester United next time. So I know you plan to talk about this in your next episode, but um, could you, would you mind just giving some background as to how you think that recruitment will work and how recruitment in women's football works generally, Rachel? Well, it's really... I mean, the recruitment in everything is opaque, but because there's so much less media coverage of women's football, you get so many fewer rumours. And so you're often surprised by things or you know, you're reliant on only one or two sources. But obviously, at the moment, there's quite a few gaps that are going to need to be filled in the squad because people have left. Uh, we've got other people who are on contracts for another year. So it'd be good to have people in who are perhaps going to be at Spurs for longer so that you can start building up that consistent team. Um, there's not, I mean, I guess the answer is we don't know very much about how recruitment works. We very rarely hear about what the money involved is, about what they're being paid. We know that it's hugely less than the men's teams. So people, there's a Telegraph journalists reported that it's an average of about 30,000 a year that women in the WSL get paid. So some are going to be paid less than that. I'm hoping that Spurs as a London-based team and as a relatively rich team is paying above that to at least many of our players. But again, just really don't know. And because there are relatively short contracts, you find that a lot of players are out of contract at the end of each season. And so there's a huge swathe of sort of pool of players who could be recruited on a free but we just don't know whether they will be it tends to be the bigger clubs that retain people on longer contracts so if you're going to sign somebody from one of those clubs you may have to pay a transfer fee but even there there's a lot of players who just their contracts just expire and abby would it be daniel levy who's responsible for making these signings that's a very good question i don't know but i suspect not um, I could be wrong about that, though. Uh, again, it's very opaque. And all we have to go on basically is how things have worked historically, which is basically every year it, for the last three or so years, Spurs have signed a bunch of players on freeze who may or may not be promising. So it'll be like a mix of young players coming out of other academies and um, like old stalwarts of the game who are looking to move on um, and maybe are going to get a nice one-year contract from from Spurs and maybe be good and contribute or maybe they, uh, you know, are done and we find that out uh, halfway through the season. And this year is actually interesting because so far it's looked a little bit different. And um, yeah, so early on we, we heard a rumor that we were in for signing Drew Spence, which we have now done from Chelsea. Um, and she is definitely of the mold of like, she's a stalwart of the game, like the legend of the game. Even she's won a lot of stuff with Chelsea. Um, and she hasn't been getting very many minutes lately at Chelsea. Um, she was released, I think from Chelsea at the end of the season. So, in some ways, it is more of the same, but she's also definitely a uh, a player who's like closer to her prime, I would say, than the ones we usually have been getting. Uh, we also heard a rumor really early on that we were going to give Chelsea money for Beth England, which would be incredible and unheard of for us. We rarely, rarely give anyone money for anything. Um, and I really, I, I, that would be just what we need. Like paying for a, a proven good striker is what I want to see Spurs do. And I have faith that this will happen as much as I'm like sitting here biting my nails going like, oh no, the transfer window, like this better happen soon. 
when so Kara's Harrop just extended her contract and as we were saying earlier she has been in the WSL for 11 years or something like that and you know she has a lot of opinions and ideas and like dedication to women's women's football and she said when she renewed that she really liked the direction things were going in at Spurs and that was why she renewed and I just think she's really smart so if she says that's what's happening then I gotta believe that's what's happening uh I will say I've seen uh, like we have a really good young player from Finland who was playing in the Danish league before that's Evelina Suminen. I think she's going to be so good next year. And I think people are going to be biting our hands off for her in a few years. I think she's phenomenal. So it's clear we have some sort of overseas recruitment going on um, because they've found Evelina. I don't in think that was, yeah, I would, I just to interrupt, I really don't think we do have any overseas recruitment. That was what, that was Agent Tinney. So our goalkeeper oh, is Finnish. Um, one of our two goalkeepers, Tini Coppella, and all of the rumours are that essentially she said there's this young Finnish player who's really good, would fit the style, and so that's how we got Evelina. So my worry is that we really don't have any overseas scouts because there is no evidence that we've got anyone from overseas Sean did mention when in one of our like pre podcast conversations, Sean did mention that she thought we did. We were looking overseas, but that was literally all the details she gave. Uh, Sometimes she knows things. So, you know, take take that or leave (laughs) that. Um, But we don't. That is a good point. We don't have any evidence of overseas recruitment. But we think maybe there is, but we also think maybe there might not be. <laughs> I have some ITK. Um, I think I can make this vague enough that I can say it. So basically, I previously applied for a um, a role at a WSL side um, a few years ago. Uh, and it was on the coaching side. But one of the details of the role included scouting as sort of an additional part of the role which I think gives a level of insight to the, mm. the degree of scouting going on in WSL sides that was a couple of years yeah, ago yeah, that's, that's really that's really poor that you would have people expected to do multiple roles uh, and be generalists basically that's I mean I, I guess that's kind of what you'd expect at this stage in the game's development but hopefully that will change very quickly um, particularly as the stakes uh, increase Um that's really interesting. What you need is a war. You need a war chest, or we need a war chest for the team, right? We need we need the the same the same war chest that the the men's first team have got for the women's team. Well, that would that yeah. Well, would that's be right? right. Is every few months Spurs women lose a game, and a bunch of people are talking about it, and the joke is always the same. The joke is. Oh, like all we need is one week's wages. Insert disappointment du jour from Spurs men here, <laughs> and uh, and <laughs> then we'd have like one of the best women's teams in the in in the league. And at various points, I've heard Joe Hart, I've heard Harry Winks, I've heard like <laughs> you know literally three or four or five different Spurs men players here in this context. But yeah, that is that is the joke. I mean, it isn't the only money, is it? I, that's it? That is the thing. It's obviously because we didn't finish in the top three, we can't yeah. offer Champions League football yeah. in the women's game at the moment. There are the top players are going to want that. And there is also just a smaller pool of full-time professional women players because most it's only this year that Italy's uh, top league has gone full-time professional. A lot of countries still aren't at that point. The Champions League in, sorry, in the UK is partly professional it looks like maybe next year everybody sorry the championship not the champions league championship so the one below the wsl is mostly professional and maybe will have gone full-time professional by the end by the start of next season but it just means that scouting is a really different proposition because you're talking to people who if they are part-time have other jobs And so it's a doubly complicated change to make because they're going to be not only moving to play at Spurs potentially, but we're asking them to give up their jobs, which may well earn more than playing football does. So, for example, earlier Abby talked about Maeve Clemeron leaving and she's gone to a Swiss team. One of her reasons for going to a Swiss team is that she wants to go back to her other career, which is architecture. 
you know, if you've trained as an architect, you might want to be an architect at some point as well as a really excellent footballer. And I guess as you're getting towards, you know, at the start of your career, at the end of your career, there's periods where you're less certain about what your financial arrangements are going to be. And until the women's game means that you earn enough to wholly and completely abandon a second career it's hard for people to take those leaps and so again that's something that just means that the pool of people who are able to move to a particular team is going to be smaller it's going to be more complicated for reasons that are just very different to the men's team something that might help a little bit with the um the the interest and therefore the money in the game uh, is the fact that we have the women's euros this summer um abby are there many spurs players representing at the euros should we be excited about the euros generally do you think uh in general yes definitely because there's always a huge rate um raise in interest that comes with major tournaments and i think it's going to be Uh, A really exciting Euros with really exciting players. Uh, Unfortunately, not as many of them as we would like are going to be coming from Spurs. Uh, As I can't remember if we mentioned this earlier or not, but Ash Neville has been knocking on the door of a call up for a while now, at least, especially this last season, even non-Spurs fans are starting to be like, oh, Ash Neville probably deserves a call up. She's very, very good and very exciting. Um, no call up for Ash Neville, so we're very disappointed about that. We have two Finnish players uh, who are going to be playing for Finland, uh, and that's our goalkeeper, Tini Korpela, and our midfielder, Evelina Suminen. Yeah, and Finland are playing all of their games at the Milton Keynes Stadium. So if you're a Spurs fan and live near Milton Keynes, you can get a ticket. They're really cheap. They range from about £10 to £20 for most of the games. So definitely worth checking out. You can see, for example, I'm going to go and see Finland play Spain. And Spain is one of the favourites. A lot of the players come from Barcelona. Many people will have seen the Barcelona women's team this season who are making waves through the sort of numbers of fans they're getting into games. Um, they've had sold out 90,000 games. Uh, so Spain is going to be a hopefully a really exciting team. Uh, Finland is probably not expected to do great, but fun to watch. And I think generally just having an England team that is likely to be really competitive and is being predicted by some people to go semi-finals or finals even potentially even become winning it all means that it's likely that lots of people are going to get pretty hooked once these games starts showing on TV. Nathan, you were going to say something? <laughs> yeah, um, so uh, the Ashley Neville's data profile is really really quite incredible this is sort of the benefit of, of, um, um, of being in a situation where you can use data to look and not have sort of some of the maybe the biases you get from from watching in the flesh as much as i have done is that like she is 99th percentile in a number of, of like key important things right so i understand that um uh, lucy bronze probably has the the right back position nailed on for england but the idea that that never wouldn't offer something as sort of a player who can play on both sides to just be useful in this in the squad scenes and on the wing and on the wing she played for us on go. the wing and scored two goals in two games so yeah yeah she is really flexible i mean i would say england have got other players who have done a really oh, good job yeah. so rachel daly for example stood out in the last game she doesn't actually play in the wsl she plays in the u.s But most of the England squad is, well, pretty much every single player on the England squad that plays in the WSL plays for one of the top four teams. So there's much less diversity than when you see Gareth Southgate's picks. The only exception is our third choice goalkeeper who plays for Aston Villa. Uh, There's another player, Jill Scott, who has been at Man City for years, but has just moved to Aston Villa this summer. So essentially, all of these players are plying their trade at four clubs. So So I will say there are some interesting players coming from the WSL who are actually going to appear for other countries. Like um, I was just looking at this. So uh, West Ham has uh, a player... Sissoko, who uh, will be playing for France, I believe. And then also... Um, She's tough. Awesome. She was the player who got sent off when she played against us. Cause she oh, is, yes, that's right. Yeah, she's um, a physical defender. In a good yeah. way and a bad yeah. way, depending yeah. on yeah. whether you I think I think they're, they're really excited about her as a player. 
Um, and man, I thought this name was on the tip of my tongue. I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, Norway has Gura Wrighton, who plays at Chelsea and has had a phenomenal season. So, yeah, I mean, there are WSL t- players across across this uh, all of the different teams um unfortunately like you said though just not that many Spurs players but at the same time if you get excited by women's football and you want to support your club's team Spurs women is the one for you mm-hmm. for sure for sure I'm definitely going to use the Euros as a gateway into women's football you've um you sold it to me very well I'm I'm quite excited um can you tell us uh, how people can listen to the podcast? What other resources there are on women's football? I know, Rachel, you, you write a lot. You have a blog. And how the FA player works. Very how good the, question. How the, how the FA player, so the, the means of watching live streaming uh, WSL. Yeah, you can watch every game except those that are being broadcast on either the BBC or Sky on the FA player. And if you've got a VPN and you pretend you're in another country or you are in another country... You can watch all of the games for free on the FA player. And so, I did hear, I thought I heard that some of the games are going to be on Spurs play next year. Maybe all of them. Uh, but would need to nail that down. There's also ATA Football, which is the Australian platform. Uh, that's not free, but some of the games are on that. Uh, I mean, the FA player is not the perfect medium, there's, it's usually a single camera and a single commentator who occasionally seems to get distracted or even leave the room um, <laughs> wow. and, or be chatting about something else. And you're like, that was a, that was an important chance and you just missed it. But still, it is How free. The names are pronounced wrong. I still the remember other- the, the quote unquote Kia Simon goal. Uh, that was a it's Kaya Simon. It's not a good moment. Uh it's like that all the time. If we, us in over here in America, are totally at the mercy of the FA player, as I that think said, originally I went, said. That's, I went to um, a away game at Birmingham, and the announcer in the stadium got both goals wrong. So, on that one, the FA player was probably better. Um, again, just another example of why Birmingham ended up getting relegated, lack of resources and in every part of the club, mm. which is a shame because they have been a major force in women's football in the past. But yeah. yeah I, so, oh, sorry. What were you I was just going to say the easiest thing to do, though, is if you're anywhere near London, is just come to the games. <laughs> but also in terms of other resources, you can... There are about half a dozen other podcasts as well as our one that just talk about the WSL more generally. They're a really nice way to kind of find out about all of the teams. Um, as you said, I've got I started a blog called Spurs. You can find it at SpursWomen.uk, so it's very easy to find. I was shocked that that uh, <laughs> I could still have that address uh, when I went to do it, which is again a sign that there wasn't enough stuff out there. There. Um, Abby writes for Cartage Free Captain. Yeah. Uh, and then our podcast itself is at N17 Women. Uh, I believe that's the Twitter handle that we have. Uh, so you can find the links to our podcast there. And I believe they're available on your favorite podcast listening device of, of um, or platform of choice. Uh, we just released our latest one today. Um, and then you can follow all four of us on on Twitter. There's me and Rachel, uh, but then there's also Caroline and um, Sean. And I we'll totally do. meant to get the Twitter handles no, before I said that, we'll, and I we'll, did not do it. <laughs> we'll put we'll put all of those in the show notes so people can go and follow you all and check out the the various um, sites and and the podcast, of course. Um, I really, really appreciated this uh, this conversation and learning a bit more about about our women's team. Um, and I'm actually really excited about the Euros now. You, you've, Rachel, you did a great selling job. <laughs> great, that's exciting. Um, hopefully, you can even go and see a game live. Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely yeah. try. I'll definitely try. Let me know if you need to figure out which players should be your favorite players. I'm happy <laughs> to provide suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> cool no i'm no this is this is really good this is re- like a, this is a huge step forward i think you know the more the more resources there are the 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 more the interest will build um 
and the more support that the team will get, which is which is absolutely crucial. Um, thank you so much for your time. It's really appreciated. No, thank you so much for having us here. It's thank like it, it's great to have that kind of promotion and interest. And I think we aspire to one day in the future having the level of detailed content that you guys manage to put up so regularly. You've been listening to the Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Bardi for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud D Lindmer. Do check him out, he's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help. 